How secure do you feel in your retirement with Secure Act 2.0? If you'd like to know how it may affect your retirement, you won't want to miss today's episode where Dave and I discuss some of the most important parts of Secure Act 2.0 and how they may affect your retirement. That's right here, right now on the Retirement Income Show. Welcome to the Retirement Income Show with Michael Eastam, where we're building your tomorrow. Powered by the Retirement Income Source and brought to you by Fellowship Financial. Be prepared to hear ideas, concepts, and strategies that may challenge the way you were taught to think about saving and investing for retirement. It's time to roll up our sleeves and get to it. Now, here's this week's Retirement Income Show, where we're building your tomorrow with your host, Michael Eastham. Welcome to the Retirement Income Show. I'm Dave Stearns here with Michael Eastham, and together we're your co-hosts of the Retirement Income Show. We're just so glad that you've joined us today. You know, Michael, I'm really glad we're going to be talking about understanding the Secure Act 2.0 for our listeners, most of whom are retired or going to be landing the retirement airplane in the near future. And really understanding the Secure Act 2.0 is kind of a big deal. And I've noticed that there's a lot of changes, especially as it relates to when they have to take that required minimum distribution. I'm going to ask you in a moment, Michael, just really about the age. When do they have to begin? But I got to tell you, I don't know how your clients, Michael, feel about the required minimum distribution, but we've got a client here in our office. He will not refer to the RMD as the required minimum distribution. <laughs> you know, he hates the fact that he has to take it. And I'm not kidding. This gentleman is a lot of fun, but when he comes in, he calls it the required minimum distressor every time. I get it. Yeah. And so I find there's a lot of confusion even around the required minimum distribution. So when you're thinking about helping clients and listeners understand the RMD, what changed in the SECURE Act as far as the age of when they got to really get going with that distressor? Yeah, Dave, it's really funny that the SECURE Act took effect January 1st of this year. And it was one of those things that was passed under cover of night in the deep in the trenches of Washington, D.C. on Christmas Eve, no less. Congress wanted to get home for the holidays. And so it was buried in this 4,000-page, $1.7 trillion spending bill. And it just suddenly showed up. You know, The president passed it on New Year's Eve, and it took effect January 1st. And the funny thing is, even to this day, I did a workshop just last night, and we talked about the RMD age. And the first number that came up was 72 is when you have to start taking it. Well, it used to be 70 and a half. Many of our listeners probably remember that. And then we had the Secure Act 1.0 where it bumped it up to 72. And now as of January 1st, 2023, the age is 73. That's when you have to start taking your required minimum distressor, as your client says. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm really glad we're talking about it because there is a lot of confusion because Secure Act 1.0 came quick and 2.0 came, like you said, under the cover of night. So age 73, that's really what I want our listeners to remember. And you know, the thing about it is there's nothing super clear when the government really gets involved. And so there's really a technical definition that I'm going to say, then maybe you can break it down for our listeners. But the technical definition for 
when you have to begin that first required minimum distribution is no later than April 1st, following the year you turned 73. Wow, that is a mouthful. What in the heck is that definition really saying to our listeners? Well, it kind of gives them a mulligan if they miss their required minimum distribution, because typically you've got to take it by December 31st. However, the first year you qualify for the RMD, they give you a mulligan, meaning that you can wait and take it by April 1st of the following year. But I always recommend people ignore that because we try to educate our clients so they know in advance. That's good for somebody who doesn't know because it gives them time to fix it. But if you wait until April 1st of the following year, you're going to have to take two RMDs in that new year, one for the year that you missed, and then another one for the current year. And that spooks a lot of people. Not only that, but it also typically is going to affect their tax status. And nobody likes to pay too much taxes, right, Dave? (laughs) That's right. That's right. But I think that we got to really remember that, hey, the safest bet is don't take the mulligan. Probably you should just think about the year you turn 73, take that required minimum distribution. And if you're wondering how the SECURE Act 2.0 might affect your retirement, I want to encourage our listeners to pick up the phone. Give us a call right now, 844-308-4861. Call Fellowship Financial, 844-308-4861. And we'll schedule a retirement risk review with you. We'll talk about how Secure Act can affect you and the impacts on your retirement and many other risks that could derail your retirement if you're not careful. So reach out to us today. 844-308-4861, or go to fellowshipfinancial.com. Schedule that retirement risk review today. We're so glad you're with us here on the Retirement Income Show. I'm Michael Easton here with my good friend and fellow financial advisor, Dave Stearns, where today we are co-hosting the Retirement Income Show and talking about the SECURE Act 2.0 and how it affects your retirement. Well, Dave, we're talking about the RMD aspect and how it's the age for the required beginning date of required minimum distributions has changed. It went up to 73. And you mentioned that mulligan type of a thing where the first year you can push it out to April 1st of the following year when you turn 73. And, you know, we mentioned that we typically recommend that listeners don't wait till that April 1st date, but take it during the year. But there are some circumstances where waiting may make sense, right? Well, there are. I mean, that's where I think our listeners really need to understand that when you're working with an advisor like Fellowship Financial or or Stearns Retirement Group, you're working with advisors that focus only on retirement. So, Michael, I consider this kind of like finesse financial planning. And of course, you being a CPA, it really is advantageous to your listeners and your clients because we had a situation where Not long ago, we had a lady that had a lot of money, a non-IRA stock account, and she was worried about the market going down. She really wanted to capture high. You know, the market always recommends buy low and sell high, but Michael, most of our competitors never recommend selling high. They want to keep the money always invested in the market, but she really wanted to capture her gains, but it was the first year that she had to take her RMD and she had a lot of IRA dollars. And so- We really used a CPA locally. We paid for the CPA. Of course, you could do the analysis yourself, which is pretty amazing. We do it. Yeah. But we helped her. We looked at what would happen if she delayed her RMD, took two RMDs that next year, and compared that to 
taken the capital gains in this year, and it turned out that it made more sense to delay her RMD. So there are those financial planning kind of finesse moments that we can help our clients with. There's no question, Dave. And I really respect the fact that you guys took the additional initiative and were proactive in a case like that. What I find, unfortunately, is too many times, too many advisors in our industry, they don't think about that that tax advantageous stuff. They don't think about proactive planning and action for their clients. They just want to hold the money and collect the fee. Where the way that we do it is as fiduciaries, we want to be proactive with our clients. We want to walk with them and help them make good, sound, informed financial decisions. And that's a great example of how you guys took the reins and helped that client really save some money over time. And it's a great thing. So I just commend you for doing that. Well, I appreciate that. You know, the other thing that I wanted to kind of find out how you communicate this with your clients. I mean, a lot of people find that when they turn 73, maybe their birthday isn't until like the end of the year. And they think they got to wait until their birth date to actually start taking the required minimum distribution. But how do you really talk about that with your clients? And do you have any thoughts on that, Michael? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great question. The fact is that, first of all, if your birthday is in December, don't wait until the last minute to initiate your RMD because you're going to be dependent upon whoever your custodian is. And especially if you have an advisor, look, they probably have dozens, if not hundreds of people who have RMDs that they have to pay attention to. You want to get it started early. So it really doesn't matter when your birthday is during the calendar year. If you take a distribution at any time during that calendar year, the IRS is going to count that as your RMD or towards your RMD for those purposes. So your birthday doesn't really matter. And that's a really important point. I mean, people kind of get lazy and they get worried and then they suddenly hit the gas when they're at the last minute. And you don't want to do that because it could cause a problem. You want to be proactive. And that's certainly what we encourage our clients to do. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then the other thing about being proactive is, hey, in January of the year you turn 73, you should get a letter. And we can talk a little bit more about how our listeners can figure out their own RMD, but they should get a letter telling them how much. They might want to take it monthly or they might want to take it quarterly, but if they know what it is in January, they can just divide it by 12 and start taking it as a regular paycheck. That's a lot of times what we encourage folks to think about doing. Absolutely. And if you have other questions about your RMDs or how the SECURE Act might affect you, then take some time right now. Give us a call at Fellowship Financial, 844-308-4861. That's 844-308-4861. We'll get you on the calendar and schedule that retirement risk review for you, where we'll help you make informed, solid decisions about your retirement. Once again, call Fellowship Financial, 844-308-4861, or go to fellowshipfinancial.com. Thanks again for being with us here on the Retirement Income Show. I'm Michael Easton here with Dave Stearns, and together we are hosting the Retirement Income Show, talking to you about the SECURE Act 2.0, and how it might affect your retirement. Well, Dave, you hit on the age and the timing of a birth date and how it might affect your RMD and when you actually start it. But I do want to draw a distinction between the RMD and the Qualified Charitable Distribution, which we've talked about many times before, or the QCD. Now, the IRS looks at the QCD a little bit differently. With the RMD, it doesn't matter when your birthday is, 
they're going to count your distribution as long as it's any time during your calendar year, it'll count towards your RMD. That is not the case with that qualified charitable distribution. You have to be 70 and a half before you start it. So if your birthday is in June and you decide you want to take a distribution or send it to a charity in January or February, then that's going to be a taxable distribution. There's no way around it. You have to wait until six months after your 70th birthday because it's 70 and a half. That's when you can start to do the qualified charitable distribution. And that's a key distinction that I really want our listeners to pay attention to. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I'm really glad you're bringing up that QCD and the fact that it can begin at 70 and a half. They don't have to wait to 73. And the distinction between actually having to be at least 70 and a half to do it. But that's something that our listeners really should take advantage of, that qualified charitable distribution to help mitigate taxes when it comes time to taking withdrawals from those qualified retirement plans. It's a big deal and not enough financial advisors and even not enough CPAs are spending the time to talk about it. So that's why we talk about it here on the Retirement Income Show. Well, Dave, we've talked about a couple of different items here relates to the Secure Act 2.0, but if our listeners miss this next one, then it could have a significant effect on your retirement future and your family's retirement future. If you just joined us, we want to let you know that if you missed any part of the program, we make it real easy for you to get caught up by going to fellowshipfinancial.com. That's fellowshipfinancial.com. Just click on the radio show tab and you can review this or other episodes that are archived of the Retirement Income Show. And I encourage you to do it. It's a great way to make sure that you're renewing your financial mind throughout the week. Well, Dave, before the break, we talked about the start dates for RMDs. We talked about when you can actually begin your required minimum distribution and just a touch on the QCD or the qualified charitable distribution. But I want our listeners to understand this. Now, most of our listeners are baby boomers or they're approaching retirement or in retirement. Now, this particular portion of the SECURE Act may not necessarily affect you, but it may affect your children and grandchildren. And that's why I want to dump it out there because it's really important. You know, a lot of kids get out of college and they've got a bunch of student debt that they're trying to pay off. And as a result, they land their first job and they're not able to contribute. Well, starting in January of 2024, their payments towards their student loan will qualify them for contributions to their 401k, which means that they can get their employer matching dollars, even if they're not putting money into the 401k. So it's a little tricky to understand that because you're not putting money directly into your 401k, but those shadow contributions, if you will, actually qualify you to receive your employer's matching contribution. And that's a huge deal. Man, that is a big deal when you talk about it like that. I love the concept of shadow contributions. So then, Michael, you know, if our listeners are thinking, I got to tell my children, I got to tell my grandchildren about it, then is it sort of up to the person that's making, let's say their grandchildren are paying student loans Is it up to them to really just go to their employer and show them, kind of prove how much they're paying in order to then activate the company match? It is. In fact, the way that it was written in the SECURE Act is not super clear about how that enforcement is going to take place. So it is incumbent upon the individual, like the employee, to go to the employer 
and make sure that they know that those payments to the student loans are being made. But listen, as parents and grandparents, that's a gift that you can give to your kids or grandkids just by letting them know that little known fact. Love it. I love it. As we say over here at the Stearns Retirement Group, boomtown. That is such a great point, (laughs) Michael. Hey, look, I want to launch this in. You kind of dropped a little nugget. That was really the second part of the Secure Act 2.0 understanding in retirement. I want to throw a third one out here and I want to kind of get, Michael, really your reaction to this because at first it sounds a little bit strange, but really beginning January 1 in 2024, a surviving spouse who inherits an IRA can choose the option to be treated as the deceased spouse for required minimum distribution purposes. I mean, this is really kind of a big deal when it applies. How would you want our listeners to really think about applying that or how to even know if it does apply to them? Yeah, this is a great one. And I'm glad you brought it up, Dave, because if your spouse is significantly younger than you are and you're the surviving spouse, so let's say that you're 75 years old and your spouse is 67 years old, and you're already taking your RMDs. If your spouse passes away at 67, then you can actually step into the shoes of your 67-year-old spouse. That means that on his or her IRA, you don't have to take a required minimum distribution until that deceased spouse would have been 73 years old. And that's a huge deal because a lot of our listeners they're asking me, how can I get money out of my IRA and not pay tax? Or how can I avoid the RMD? Well, in this particular case, if you're in that unfortunate situation, then that's one way that you can defer those amounts. Now, I don't recommend that you use that as a strategy to try and shorten (laughs) your marriage. You know, It's not a, a good strategy in that regard. But if you're in the unfortunate situation where that happens, well, then you can take advantage of that element of Secure Act 2.0. And if you're curious about how the SECURE Act overall might affect your retirement, you know, we've talked about a few different areas here. We want to apply it to your personal life. So reach out to us at Fellowship Financial at 844-308-4861. That's 844-308-4861. And schedule that retirement risk review. It's absolutely free where we'll talk to you about the different risks that may affect you the rules of the SECURE Act and how they may affect you and help you to prioritize those risks and see which ones you need to address right away, which ones are not so important that you have to touch on and help you get a clearer vision for your retirement roadmap. So give us a call at 844-308-4861. Again, that's 844-308-4861 and schedule that retirement risk review today. Thanks so much for being with us here on the Retirement Income Show. I'm Michael Eastham here with my good friend, Dave Stearns. Together, we are talking to you on this episode of the Retirement Income Show about the SECURE Act 2.0 and how you can apply those rule changes to better prepare for retirement. Well, this has been another great show, Michael, talking really about the SECURE Act 2.0 in retirement. And we're really honing in on required minimum distributions and Here comes really the third nugget I want our listeners to understand that really is kind of favorable. I mean, Michael, when I talk about this next concept, for a moment, it almost seems like Uncle Sam 
has a heart. Here's what I mean. <laughs> I know. I don't, if you're listening, I don't know if I go that far, Dave. <laughs> that may be a little too far. Don't pull off the road if you're listening in your car today. <laughs> but listen, the IRS always had kind of the most onerous penalty for those folks who forgot to take a required minimum distribution. It was 50%. Heck, they've lowered it to 25%. And Michael, they have a Father, forgive me for I have sinned, kind of a confessional. I mean, if our listeners realize that they forgot to take the RMD, they can do an amended tax return, admit their mistake, and it can even get further reduced, maybe down to 10%. How about that, Michael? Yeah, that's a big deal. And in a lot of cases, you don't even have to amend the return if you haven't filed it yet. It's just a matter of getting it corrected, and then you get the benefit. I mean, many of our listeners may know that there was a 50% penalty that was imposed if you didn't take your RMD or if you got it wrong. That's the big deal. The harshest penalty imposed by the IRS. Well, under the Secure Act 2.0, it dropped it down to that 25%, like you said. And we had a situation where if you kind of do the numbers, if you have an IRA that has $300,000 and you have a 401k that you left at your old job, with $400,000, you know, the total there is $700,000. Well, the required minimum distribution on that is going to be about $26,000. A lot of people don't realize that you have to take a portion of it from the IRA and a portion of it from the 401k. So if you took the full 26 grand out of your IRA, then you might end up with a big mistake. You might end up with a penalty of $7,500 because you didn't break it up and take some from the IRA and some from the 401k. But under the SECURE Act, in that base scenario, that penalty would drop to $3,750. So cuts it in half. They give you a couple of years to fix that error. And if you do that, it may drop even further to about $1,500. That's a huge improvement from the IRS. You're absolutely right, Dave. Wow, that's a great numerical example. I hope our listeners were able to grab a hold of that. That's I hate using numbers on this show, but sometimes you just got to. You got to jump <laughs> sometimes in. Sometimes you got to. Yeah, sometimes you got to. That's really, really powerful to think about. And I know there's so much more we can talk about. I want to talk a little bit about 529 plans. There's even some more encouragement as we look towards those. Dave, you're absolutely right. Those 529 plans can help people a lot. And we want to jump into that here in just a second. But if you have questions about your retirement and how the SECURE Act might affect you, then I want to encourage you to take a minute, reach out to Fellowship Financial at 844-308-4861. That's 844-308-4861. We give you an opportunity to take advantage of a free retirement risk review. And that's a big deal because it gives you the ability to see a lot clearer about how these concepts can affect your specific retirement, given your circumstances, your assets, and your important goals. So reach out to Fellowship Financial at 844-308-4861. That's 844-308-4861. Or go to fellowshipfinancial.com. Schedule that retirement risk review today. Thanks so much for being with us again on the Retirement Income Show. I'm Michael Easton here with Dave Stearns. Together, we are powering through the SECURE Act on this episode of the Retirement Income Show. 
Well, Dave, you had mentioned a minute ago about the 529 plan and some of the rule changes relating to those with respect to the Secure Act 2.0. So give us some insight there. What are you thinking about? Well, I'm sure you see it at Fellowship Financial as I do the Stearns Retirement Group here, but we get a lot of folks that, you know, they love their grandchildren. They set up 529 plans for them. And then you got maybe Susie that just didn't go to college for whatever reason. And assuming they still have a great relationship with Susie, they're wondering what to do with those old 529 plans. And I guess I want our listeners to know that the Secure Act 2.0 addresses that. Really, in 2024, there's really a new provision that really allows for a tax and penalty-free rollover of that 529 plan for Susie, let's say. You can actually create a Roth IRA for Susie, and you can roll those 529 plans into that Roth for her. Now, Michael, it's capped at $35,000. So if they've got 80,000 in the 529, that addresses 35,000 of it. And that 529 plan couldn't have just been established. It has to have been around for at least 15 years. But from your perspective, especially as a CPA, why would all of a sudden putting 35,000 into a Roth for Susie, why would that be a big deal for her? That would be a huge deal. I mean, it'd be a great gift for a young person who decided, hey, I don't want to go to college, but I don't want to be penalized. Having a Roth IRA at, say, age 20 or something like that with $35,000 in it, if you think about the fact that a Roth account is going to grow tax-free, and when you reach 59 and a half, you can take money out of it tax-free, then that's going to make a huge deal because you start at 20 and you get 40 years down the road, $35,000, even at a modest interest rate, is going to blossom into a significant amount of money. Just think about it. I mean, at a four and a half or 5% interest rate, that's going to double every 12 years or so. And so think about the impact of that. You've got 70 grand and then another doubling of $140,000. You could have an excess of $200,000 by the time you retire. That's a huge deal. And I'm glad we brought it up. Well, Dave, like it happens so frequently, we are out of time on this episode of the Retirement Income Show. So we're so glad that our listeners are here with us. Make sure that you have an amazing week with the ones you love. And we'll be back again soon with another episode of the Retirement Income Show. That's all the time we have for today. To speak with Michael Eastham off the air, call 844-308-4861. That's 844-308-4861. And for more information about Fellowship Financial, visit us online at fellowshipfinancial.com. That's fellowshipfinancial.com. We will be back again next week at this same time for another Retirement Income Show. The opinions expressed on this radio show are based upon information considered reliable, but should not be relied upon as such. Information presented is for educational purposes only. Moreover, no listener should assume any discussions or information presented serves as the receipt of or a substitute for personalized advice or from any other investment professional and is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Advisory services offered through Fellowship Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Fellowship Financial and Fellowship Investment Advisors, LLC, are affiliated entities. 